Hello, and welcome back to another week of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. Skyler here, Monday evening, coming off of a forest win as Tom gets me <laughs> up to speed on football over the pond. But Tom, you seem excited this evening. Yeah, I'm excited now. Uh, it, it took a long time to get there, but excited now. Uh, looking forward to the week of golf ahead now that I've got the biggest obstacle of the week out of the way. So uh, anything from here now is a is a win. Um, good tournament last week in Italy as well. Yeah, absolutely. Good for Adrian Moronk. Um, you know, popular type of pick uh, this past week and all but secures a Ryder Cup spot if he continues the season that he has had uh, so far. And I thought I thought we were a little uh, a little early uh, on that Marco Simone turning into Open Day France or a different type of driving um, requirement. So big hitters did propel themselves, but it was a better test than what we had seen the previous two years, in my opinion. Yeah, they've made some some good adjustments. They've made it a bit tough. I didn't see a whole bunch of it this past weekend. I was away for a for a thirtieth, but like um, yeah, like from what I saw, it's definitely a little bit trickier. There's a little bit of thought going into it, and ultimately that's what Donald spoke to about the changes he was going to make uh, in, ahead of the Ryder Cup. So the fact that Moronk still relished that test, I think, was a, was a massive bonus. And like you said, I think he's basically secured his position now, um, unless he gets injured or kind of really loses his form. I mean, we did see someone like Victor Perez, who looked like a lot for a long time, kind of lose out in the end. But that was more on a points basis, right? Whereas Moronk's kind of got the win on the most important golf course of the season. So um, I think, you know, he probably deserves his place at this point. I think he probably would have got in anyway, even if he didn't win there, right? Um, you know, just based on talent and, and form alone. But um, good to see him kind of vault himself to the top of those. We sort of said there was like six or seven favourites at the top, all of them kind of on the periphery. And it was good to see someone emerge and really stake a claim. He's now won, what, the Irish, Australian and Italian Open. Like, he's won some really important yep. events. It's pretty impressive. No, it's, it's been a huge leap. And those are the kind of expectations that you have for a golfer like him. Um, and I don't believe he's all that far from special temporary membership on the PGA, too. So you could see him. I actually kind of fancy him if he could kind of come around a little bit for next week, too, um, on a test that's going to be uh, a pretty demanding off the tee at Oak Hill. So it should be interesting for Morocco. Um, and, and with that, we're, we're headed uh, to Belgium this week. The home of what I deem the greatest golf tournament that, that might have ever existed. Tom. They have the Masters, you know, you have the Open Championship, but it was no Belgian knockout. That event not only was incredibly profitable hitting back-to-back winners in <laughs> Otegi and, of course, Guido Migliazzi. Um, but it was just such a fun format. 36 holes of stroke play into 36, I believe, that advanced through the cut. They did the knockout. Nine-hole matches. It was a lot of fun. It was kind of like that Perth Super 6 that they've had in the past that did the stroke play into match play. Um, even the international um, ladies' event this past week, the Crown, they, they had some unique formats uh, with the two singles and the two doubles. I, I like unique twists on traditional golf. Um, and that's what the Belgian knockout was. But we're still teeing it up at Ringfin this week. Um, any thoughts on the course overall? Yeah, so I think I think one of the things we would probably say is that it's probably important enough to look at those results from the Belgian knockout. But you kind of got to take into consideration that once people would, because they were just trying to make that cut to get into the knockout format, they probably weren't playing as aggressively as they would have been if they were trying to get to the top of a four-round four stroke play event, I think. Um, so there's there's a certain element of that where you had to look at 
different ways they would have played it. But ultimately, form is form. So if someone had a couple of good rounds in a stroke play thing before coming here, you know, in, in 2022 and playing well, then that's absolutely a bonus as well. But I think for me, it's weird because like Bombers prevailed last year, but it wasn't because they hit it the furthest, which doesn't make any sense. Right? What it It's a classic thing of like long hitters can club down easier and you see the likes. Of, I always took akin to kind of like a Harbour Town or whatever with DJ and people like that. But, you know, as long as it will Valspar, like it's beneficial to be long because you can take positional clubs off the tee and still have an advantage. So it's one of those, I think, unless you sort of disagree, that it's, it's, it's more power hitters, but not because they have to go and hit it 350 yards to succeed. Yeah, I mean, I, I can remember the likes of, you know, Darius Van Driel, Soren Keltsen, uh, Justin Walters, like like names that played the course well that often can't compete when you get, unless they're on the absolute peak of their game, that, that really aren't holding the candle to some of the guys um, when you get on those big driver-demanding tests. You know, Guido, in that, like, championship match, there was multiple par fours that were, like, traditional par fours for many in which he was driving, like, the greenside bunker multiple yeah. times. I think Moronk did that a little bit last year, too. So it's tight. It's, it's pretty tree-lined, right? And, you know, Guido had success the match with Kenya Open when it was at Karen Country Club. You know, that was a tighter tree-lined track. Um, and I think that's more – you hit it. I mean, you don't need to drive it exceptional. You can club down with it. It's really approach on in. And some of the best players in the field last year just happened to be really good drivers of the golf ball. Um, so – I am taking a little bit different stand than probably have. And I, I really like this course. I'm excited for this event. Um, you know, Belgium golf, when we had kind of the, you know, Peters and, you know, Dietrich and then Coles arts was running it. Like it, it was really cool. It was a, it was a really unique home open. So, um, you know, the likes of Horsefield winning last year and then not being here, obviously this year, um, is a little bit different twist on it all, but still excited for the course. I think of the course is a fun one. Yeah, and like to your point earlier about the par fours last year, the the top five or the, the yeah the top five players um, were first, first, third, seventh, and thirty second in par four scoring. So Becker was a bit of an outlier, finishing in thirty second in par four scoring, but he led the par five. So that's how he did it that week. But ultimately, it was those that played the par fours the best that succeeded, which is quite often the case. Like that's almost always the case in most tournaments because there's so many of those holes, right? But yeah, I think it is definitely just a second shot course and it's as simple as that it is tight it is um i think it just rewards the best players over four days which is what you really want from a from a golf course like some courses you can kind of get away with really wild driving and a bit of luck and i don't think that really comes true here i think you need to be really on your game and you know tea screen to be really important yeah and overall um <clears throat> yeah I, I think you hit the nail on the head i think it's it's a decent field not the same strength that we've seen obviously a major next week um, you're seeing a little bit different. So I think overall um, it's fun. And I before we get the odds, I don't want to forget to congratulate myself on last week at the Italian Open. I did nail the one-two in the low Italians. Guido was the low Italian of the week. Aaron Zemmer was second. So we did say we had the reverse forecast on those guys, the exact one-two. I mean, it didn't pay out at the 20,000 to one in which it would have, but you know, just because they finished T64, T68, I mean, Tom, you know, they made the weekend. Yeah, you picked out the, the home favourites, right? Like that's a competitive market and 2001 making the cut and doing all that is, is absolutely great. So, 
Yeah, I think so. Obviously, actually, I like all joking aside, I thought we actually did okay last week in terms of, like we didn't get the winner, but like Campio was up there. We had Daniel Van Tonda was inside the top five. Like it was, we had some nice picks. It just didn't really fall our way, and it wasn't one of those like hard luck Sunday ones. It never really felt like we really had a chance, but it was certainly ones where I think we made the right selections and just didn't kind of get there. And I think that would be, you know, I think we'll find the right formula this week. I think we're taking slightly different approaches, but. I think between us, we'll get the right picks. So I'm looking forward to it. Yep, 100%. Um, and before we even start, I want to make sure I give a shout out to our audio listeners, those that want to listen to us on your commute into work tomorrow morning or, you know, Wednesday night before lock. You can find us at Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets, the mix available on all podcast platforms. Um, so we appreciate ratings, reviews, subscribes uh, to us. It goes a long way on YouTube. We love the comments every week that you guys give us. So Really appreciate you all. Um, and with that being said, let's dive in. Um, I go a little bit down the board. I mean, if you look at kind of those that are leading the market, right? We have, um, I think by this point, Alexander Bjork is the clear favorite hmm. as low as 15 to one on some books, which has surpassed Thomas Dietrich, who was kind of side by side with those guys. You see Adrian Otegui coming back. Um, in which, you know, he was a previous winner here, Jorge Campillo, which a little worried about that he is just so close to breaking through yet again. But, Tom, you are sticking with our main man, Yannick Paul. Tell us why. I just I just can't get away from the fact that I think he's going to win on this run. So whereas I think Campillo has had his win and is just keeping that run of form going, and I, I thought that 33-35-1 last week he was kind of unavoidable, whereas this week he's gone into the price he should be. I still think Yannick Paul is just absolutely fire. Like, and he was he was eighth going into the final round last week and, and finished 23rd. And yes, his ball striking has dipped a little bit, and that's sort of reason for concern. But he was second on this golf course last year, first time he's seen it. And I think that's just really important. I think, you know, ultimately he's, he's had the first look around it. He's probably the form horse of anybody at the top. I know there's guys that are playing well. Bjork is playing well, of course. But Paul's the one that's had the most chances to win. And I don't necessarily feel like Alexander Bjork's going to win. Um, that's kind of the, the main takeaway I've got from that. I think he could very easily finish fourth or fifth, which is why the, the kind of each way price is factored in. Um, and just quickly on Thomas Dietrich, like I feel like what he's done the PJ Tour is what Moronk could go and do. Like just had some really strong positive results that haven't necessarily materialised yet, but it could be some kind of first year uh, getting used to the courses and stuff. So good little model for him there. But yeah, back to Paul. I'm just really, just really impressed with how good he's been this season. He's in, right in the Ryder Cup hunt, which is really important. Um, and given the field strength, I thought the 21 was absolutely fine. He's he's had a chance to win in probably, what, three of his last five events, six events. So um, really impressed with him and thinking he can go and do it this week. Yeah, absolutely. I'm rooting for it. Um, want him, you know, to, to make the, the big leap up that he, we know he can. With me... Um, so I, I was just diving in kind of up that top, top of the board. We had what it would have been in the Honda championship, a really long conversation about Rakuya Hoshino. I think you were on him. He yep. was top five, I believe fourth going into the final round of that event. Somebody who has been phenomenal on the Japanese golf tour. If you look at his closing events of the year uh, last year, and then into this year, first, second, eighth, eighth, seventh, sixth, in his first DP World Tour event. And then he went back-to-back miscuts um, on the DP World Tour. Second, when he went back to the Japanese Tour, he had that top four five going to the last round where he kind of melted. 
finished 23rd, and then second last time out at the Crowns on the Japanese Golf Tour. So 35 to 1, I think, you know, he was, what, 28s, maybe 25s that week when we closed. It made sense, maybe a little bit more on home soil. Just looking into kind of his statistics when we've gotten to have strokes gained, I don't think, you know, he has been maybe potentially the, the driver for him is just not to par in which you have to play on some of the courses that he had being teeing it up on. So you yeah. look at him when he, when he's been in open championships, even the U S open in which he was, you know, 2021 uh, where he was 26, he got elite approach game. I believe in that event, he was first in overall strokes gained approach at that 2021 U S open overall for me, it just seems that, he is not the best driver of the golf ball, but he has been very good with his irons. Technically, I don't know with strokes gained, he had led the field in approach at that event prior to, you know, having actual shot track data. But I think it might be more of a course fit for him this time around. I'm a little concerned he missed at Muthaya, which is the Magical Kenya Open, because it was somewhat similar. But um, he was still kind of finding the form, bounce right back 35 to 1 for me with Hoshio. Yeah, and I don't sort of profess to have great knowledge of the Japanese tour outside of the ones that we see kind of crossing over the DP World Tour. But I think this is the sort of test they're kind of used to, these kind of tree-line tests, very technical. Um, and, you know, yes, you can have an advantage by driving, but it's not, you know, quite essential. And, you know, to say to the point at the top of the show where I said the longer drivers have prospered, I don't think you have to do that. I think it's just something that we had from a very small sample stage from last year of, of Horsfield, Ryan Fox and people like that, who ultimately were just the better players in the field anyway. So um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this one pans out. I think this is still second shot regardless of, of how you look at it. Um, and that will really favour Hishino. So there's nothing really in his um, file that suggests he can't win, right? He's, he's got bigger. He's got 10 points bigger because it's not in Japan. So, um, yeah, why not? Yeah, that's really kind of where I'm landing in regards to taking the shot there. Um, I'm going to go into the mid-range for the next couple selections. One that we were kind of early also on last week. We had a, we had a decent uh, back and forth on Eddie Pepperell yeah. uh, leading into last week. We didn't end up landing there just due to the fact that Marco Simone was a driver's test. It was something that's not really, even though the corollaries made a lot of sense, it really wasn't Eddie's wheelhouse. What's he do? He shows up into the mix, first time golfing in three months outside of the simulator, and he's top 10, you know, and, and realistically, I mean, if those guys came back to the field at all, it seemed like Eddie had a shot at it, uh, you know, deep into Saturday. So now on a course that should play much more into his hands, the odds have chopped in half, right? He's 45 to one now instead of 110 to one that he was last week. But Eddie often didn't even carry a driver in his bag, <laughs> so he could play fairway. He can play his elite approach game. And we saw the stretch run that Eddie got onto uh, a summer ago in which it was just reproducing results with irons over and over again. So he, to me, at 45 to 1 is, is one that I was very keen on and don't want to give up, even though the odds chopped. And the second one, I would argue, and this is probably a big stretch, um, but maybe maybe it's, I don't know, a, a side. I, I think that Aaron Cockerell's form, I don't want to say it's side by side with Yannick because it's not, but if you, because the finishes didn't get him to where it's been, right? Last five events for him or four events for him, 16th, 
21st, 2nd, 13th. But if you adjust those and you look at tour tips over the past eight weeks, right, they have him third in the field in form. And I think 55 to one for Cockerell, when you look at kind of his style of golf, right, it's once again, it's not something that he is going to pound it off the tee. He's often losing five, six, seven, eight, up to 10 yards, you know, off the tee to the field average. What's he do? Well, the rest of the game on in, he had putted it exceptionally well when he lost out to Herbert. I think Cockerell 55 to one for the recent form and would fall into a much better line course for him is where I want to land. Yeah, so I think first of all with with Pepper, I think I think we said last week that he'd probably finished tenth to twelfth without really contending, and that's basically in the end what he did. Yes. Um. So yeah, I think we had a good discussion here, and I and he's the person that probably is the most volatile in the betting market of anyone. Maybe like How Tong Lee, someone like that. I guess that like they can have one good week and be 30, 40 to one, and one bad week and be hundreds one again. Like they're, they're those type of people because Pepperell has the ability to look like the worst driver of golf wherever. But during that stretch of form last year, he actually really improved off the tee. And if he can just kind of do that well enough this week, then I think he's got a really good chance. So do like Pepperell. It does seem more up his uh, street this week as well, which is only a bonus after the ninth place finish. And very much the same with Cockerell. Like, when I think of Cockerell, I think of just like the South African swing, Kenya, um, even in, like, I think he's played well in France on the Challenge Tour and things like that. Like, I think he's very much a case of those, not even just a case of it has to be a short course, it just has to be a bit more of a technical course, has to be a bit more thinking uh, behind it. A lot of scrambling he's very good at. So, yeah, like, I was very close to Cockerell. I think in my head, the price was a little bit short. But only because I'm just so used to seeing Cockerell. This is the first time I think he's ever been respected in the odds market, which is probably a good sign that he's actually improving a lot as a golfer because he's always, I think, pretty long at 100 to 110 to 125 to 1 consistently, even when he's been playing solidly. Um, So I think this is the first time they kind of caught on to him, and that could be a really good sign going forward. Yeah, I mean, it's can you take advantage of your form? And he's stretched together a good amount of starts in a row, which yeah, it is similar in the sense that it is a little bit reactive to the odds, but I don't want to give up on these type of think, guys, especially when I think a course plays into their hands now. Yeah, like I don't think you can. I think if you do that, I think we've seen, I've been guilty of it, and I think we've seen people do it for weeks. Like, but think about the people that would have backed Wyndham Clark and just given up on him for one week and happened. I know it's PJ Tour, right? But like sometimes when you've got your guys or you've been tracking someone for a decent amount of weeks, it's very much the case with Yannick Paul for me at the moment. Like, I genuinely believe he's going to win and his price isn't varying too much between kind of like 20 to 1 to 30 to 1. I'm going to just keep backing him until he gives me reasons not to and probably the same with Campier for some people. So uh, Cockrell's probably the first time you've had to ask yourself, is it okay to back him at these odds? But ultimately he's playing one after to warrant them. Yep, 100%. All right, our alignment of the week, Tom. I'll let you lead in because most people, they, they knew this was a lock on my card. You know, absolute lock city. So tell us why. Uh, is it just because you want me to butcher the pronunciation? Because I will do. I think it's... Honestly, yes. That's 100% why. Is it, is it Hugo Sassard? That's what I'm going with as, as a French golfer. I think that's pretty good, right? Yes. I like calling him Hugo, but yeah. I think it's yeah, that's, prob- that's probably right. Um, we'll, we'll find out in Contra this weekend because he's going to get a lot of coverage if he's in the mix. And the reason being... You know, he's leading the, the road to Mallorca rankings on the Challenge Tour. His last three results have been first, 15th, and second. And when you look on Tortoise, which, as you mentioned, is already adjusted for field strength and things like that, 
he's actually the 13th best player in this field, which when you factor in the fact that he's playing just these weaker events all the time, it suggests he's ready to make that leap up, right? And what I liked about it, he hasn't come to the DP World Tour a lot. I don't think he's barely even played on there at all. But like when he's played the Sunshine Challenge Shore co-sanctioned events, second in Cape Town, sixth at Dimension Data, back-to-back top 20s after that as well. So we don't know. And the thing I sort of said on, on Lost of Words earlier, like this could either be the biggest prize we see Sassad for a while on the DP World Tour, or this could be the shortest we take him for a year because he could have, like, he could very quickly prove in two or three weeks he's not up to this level. But it feels very much like Gouvier a couple of years ago when he was getting, you know, promoted. Like he, he looks pretty much streets ahead of the rest of the competition at the moment. And it's now a case of proving himself on this stage. And I see no reason as a French golfer in Belgium, why that couldn't be a good place to do it this week. Yeah. I mean, it was almost like uh, Jens Dantorp was the one last year, right? I think he opened maybe around triple digits for the first thing. And I mean, he was 28-30s after one good performance on the DP World Tour. So, uh, yeah, I just, I'm loading up on these type of opportunities. And especially when you get a weaker type field, and I would classify this weaker than the last few weeks that we have seen 100%. overall. Like, so it's besides not, Dietrich, if Dietrich didn't show up, then yeah. It's not, it's not a big Are we scared of Dietrich? Not re- based not. on history, we're not, are we? Like it, as much as we sh- probably should be in terms of like, if you look to, I guess, probably data golf and things like that in terms of skill set, like he's probably far ahead of most people. But like in terms of the eye test and what we know about the winners of the topless market, like as much as we're waxing lyrical about Yannick Paul here and, You've got Alexander Bjork, not the most proven winner. You've got Theodore Nonnesons in and out. Callum Shinkwin's not the best winner at all. Um, so, yes, you've got Campillo. You've got a take out there to do win, but not, not every week. So, um, no, nothing to be afraid of. And I think it's a really nice easing in period for Sassard now where he could really come to the fore very quickly. And it's a little bit the unknown, and I like that. And I think the 70 to 1 was, um, or 66 to 1 was, was plenty good enough um, at this point. Yeah, 66, uh, I'm in on. Um, I'll actually let you lead into your next selection because it follows in line of somebody who had that same type of challenge tour success uh, of, you know, Santiago Tardioban. You know, that was that was him, you know, what, three, three years ago now? Um, Two years ago? Yeah, two seasons. But tell us. Yeah, so for me, it's the first time we've had reliable um, you know, strokes gain data for a while, and he led the field in approach from a certain tee to green. So um, that felt th- so good to track to see it. Together. Yeah, it was so nice. Good. Yeah, well, it was nice until it was your player that put it into you know water or trees or whatever, um, or missed four foot putts. But um, he was solid enough here last year, like thirty third, without ever really going deep. Um, but the fact that he just hit those irons really well, tee to green, great all round. I trust him to make the birdies required to compete here and cancel out any tough holes with the bogeys. So it's a it's a little bit of maybe just trying to chase the good strokes gain numbers from last week. I, I'm not going to try and hide behind that, but it's good to have that data. He's a good player, really solid player. And if I'm talking about someone like Hugo Sassard and trying to catch his potential, then we probably shouldn't give up too early on Santiago Terrio either. Yep. Um, Tom, I, I hate this next pick. For me, and I hate it because I had it chalked up as as you were going to be on with me. We, you thought I was going to be on last week. Yeah, you yep. were on. I expected you to go back this week, and I'm, I'm on. I'm not. I'm not entirely against this, by the way. So I'll let you okay. talk me into it. I think it's DVT time. 
yeah. Danny Van Ton. It, it's similar to the Hoshino effect for me. And I don't know why, but I think Daniel Van Tonder's game is different than what everyone thinks it is, personally. I don't think he's as good of a driver as people give him. I, I, I used to think personally. he was I used to think he was a long driver who could like Pretty take up, so could rip up par fives, but he's not long at all, really. No, he, he loses to the field almost every single time. Um, you know, even back in like 21 when he was playing well, I mean, it was almost half the events, but in those events, which you gain, he wasn't gaining on the field and distance no. really until the, the course in which, and again, I was really on the fence. Yes or no. What pushed me over is his victory on the DP world tour was that Karen country club. The corollary to Guido that we mentioned, and that week he drove it incredibly well. The week even prior, he drove it incredibly well. Tight tree-lined track in which even when he has gained, it has been not really just bombing it past the field. And in, even in that situation, those two weeks, he was better distance-wise. And if that's the case, I think it plays more into him hitting it straighter, when he goes longer than other people are able to, that it might be more sprayers of the ball. So I think DVT's game is way more fit this week than it was last week. And last week you were awesome to nail that each way on him, but his game was approach in. He was just middling on off the tee. He was really good approach, really good chipper of the golf ball, putted it well. And maybe you're right with those middling events in the Sunshine Tour just don't fancy him anymore he's done enough there he needs to take a step up what's he do he goes in each way is there at the Ryder Cup venue um I, I think that form that corollary for me and what I think fits way better into his hands because he has not gained on the field basically distance all year and if it has been middling I think this is the perfect type of setup for him I mean when he was at the PGA Championship he was losing to the field in 21 at Kiowa in distance yet still gaining almost you know a half a stroke per round i think that shows the type of game he can have off the tee and i love it at the corollary course this week i think he's one of those people like i think when he was playing like because you know like some of those like south african events are out i think he was just getting a lot of distance in those events and because he was playing those a lot early like his raw data made him look like a longer hit than he was. I don't know if that's just me remembering it wrong or anything like that. But I always envisioned him just being a decently long driver. And when you watch, you actually look at him statistically, he's not. And like you say, he doesn't gain that many strokes. So T to green, he does. But a lot of it's approach and around the green, which is really important. And like you say, I think I think he's long enough. So I think it's a bit like Campillo. I think they're long enough to compete at these types of golf courses. And, you know, whereas some people have got to sort of club down, they can kind of hit their driver straight enough to still take advantage of it that makes sense so yeah i do like it and i think i think i'll be on board again it was one of those ones where i was like do i just like am i chasing last week's kind of thing but no i I think he's i think he's right and i think that one i actually think that yes he's cut in half in price but i don't know that's indicative of the finish combined with the the lack of field shrink comparisons last week like i don't i actually think he could have been cut even further yeah, 70s is good to me. I like 70s uh, yeah. on him. It's a great each way you can get with that. So, yeah, I think DVT. Like, like, I'm thinking uh, like Zanotti's like 50 to 1. And how long, like, when was the last time Zanotti played well? Yeah, I mean, 
I could never hit headline anyways. But yeah, Zanotti, I mean, like, even if you look at like, like Wilco is 55 to one, right? Like, I, I'm as hard as anybody on Wilco, but like, I mean, challenged for a couple, couple decent finishes two starts ago, and then a Sunshine Tour better finish, but like nothing exceptional. So yeah. I, I, I think it plays right into to Van Tonder. Yeah, no, I like um, it. I agree. I have one more selection. Sadly, it's not a thousand to one. Yeah, I was, um, I was you know, kind of we're, disappointed. We're staying, we're staying within. I got one guy I want to talk about after that, but okay. we're staying within ourselves here. And I am going to make an exception, uh, not exception. Uh, if somebody is going to overpower the course, I talked to Nina Bird, 55 to one, right? Like if that, that bag of tricks is there, I think the person that can do it is Alejandro Del Rey arguably longer than Wilco um, and Delray last week. I was mad at myself on Wednesday or Thursday morning because he was flying. He was off. I believe he was three under through 12 sitting pretty exceptionally well. Like I'm a man, he hits it long, could have known drivers or, or distance was going to be important there. And at the end of his first route, he finished with 10, seven. So, <laughs> Six, what, eight over, ends up five over on that first round. Still found a way to make the cut. Minus three on Friday, minus three on Saturday. Not a great Sunday, 74, but that's coming off of the top 17, the timeout. And what does he have in his, his game? It's just absolute driver heavy. Now, he could be in the trees left and right all day long. It is tight there. But if he's going to be the one that I think could overpower it, I think Del Rey's game is better than what it's saying in the form. One tenth a little bit lower than I thought he might have been. I thought we could have maybe even got some two hundreds, but you know he has popped at some some courses. So I think there's enough in his game that that I'm willing to take that at one tenth. I think Del Rey is one of those that has that kind of, despite the fact he hasn't contended like seriously yet. Like he's got that name value because people do attribute that kind of driving success to him. So I think. That's why we don't get the odds that we potentially think we could. But I also think that's also why he makes a ton of sense. Like there's a reason he's getting that kind of recognition is because he is very good. So um, probably, like you say, definitely playing better than the kind of finishes suggest, but also maybe being asked to take a slightly shorter prize because of his skill set, I guess. Yeah, 100%. All right, I'll let you round us out here with your final one. Yeah, so for me, we talked about overpowering the golf course. And I don't think this, this guy's necessarily going to do that. But Will Besseling, uh, last year, he was inside the top five for strokes gained off the tee. He was actually fifth uh, last year in this event. He led the field in driving distance. He averaged over 325 yards. Um, and greens and regulations, he was third as well. He hit over nearly 78% of the greens that week. So we can tell straight away that what his problem was, he didn't have a great putter. Um, he was basically tied 23rd and, and didn't really get anything going. So um, just a really solid week. And that's basically been the story of his season so far. He's, he's recently come with top 26 finishes in Japan and Italy as well. He's just one of those, that I think, a lot of people were kind of backing Will Bessling a lot last season based on those tee screen numbers, based on those off the tee numbers, hoping that he was going to overpower a golf course at some point. He never quite did. Um, so to me, I think now is the time... Coming back to the golf course, he played well at last year. Um, you know, Holland and Belgium's you know pretty close together, and you know I think you can see some crossover there. And just the fact that he knows 
it, I wonder if he's going to change his approach last like this time. Is he going to go from trying because he's obviously tried to overpower it last year, got some great greens and regulation numbers, but not been maybe not put himself in the right positions on the greens to make the putts because he's been playing from the rough or whatever. Um, so whether he's going to change his tactic or not, I don't know. I don't know if he's got the ability to. I don't know if he's a bit one-dimensional. Um, but I just think Vesseling's got an opportunity after the last couple of weeks where he's finishing the top 26 to go on and you know give himself a chance of those that each way money. A little bit like Van Tonda last week. Just think the the skill set works. We've seen something from the course last year. And he was just very solid, like 69s and 70s last year without being able to get that low number. And you don't know whether it's he just had a bad putting week, which Will Vesseling's very prone to, or whether that is just the absolute best he could do on the golf course. So I'm interested to find out at 131. I think the best time to be on Besseling is when no one else is. Yeah. Like, if Golf Tips Checker, like, tweets Besseling with no one next to it but you, that is the best time to be on him. Like, he is somebody in which, you know, we've we've had a tough time nailing him down. Um, and I think there's a lot to like um, with him showing up here. The one golfer that I, I think if you guys dug in and you looked at, this would be the one anticipated me of betting. Let's see if I can get the odds. He was, he, he was, I, I believe, yeah, a thousand to one available on him. 15 year old Lev Grinberg <laughs> is, is playing this week on the DP World Tour. He was the second youngest player to make a cut on the tour last year at this event. 14 years old, six months, six days when he made the cut a year ago at this event. He also got through like U.S. Open qualifying uh, or mid the the second round uh, in the past at the age of 13. So um, if I looked at Grinberg, I don't believe, yeah, he doesn't have any, like he's still playing junior events actually kind of decently overall. But um, Grinberg is somebody who's kind of exciting in that way, I think he was like, yeah, he was almost dead last people that made the cup. He went out in 70, 69. So that's a fun story to root along for somebody before their driver's license out here making cuts. In the <laughs> Did it, he is Ukrainian as well, right? Like, so wasn't there like yes. that, that storyline yeah. as well? And um, who is, was it Guan Tia Lang that's a younger person that's made the cut? Was it that master's cut that he made? Or like, who's been younger than him to make a cut on the DP Auto? You know, I, I don't know. That's a good trivia question. Maybe I'll we'll find that next week. <laughs> but like, um, I just wonder if they've, because I know Guantier Lang was young when he made the Masters Cup. I don't think he was yeah, young. Yes. Younger than that. So I don't know if that's included. Yeah. And maybe that's what it is. But um, yeah, fun story there. I think there was, did you have any couple, like, is there any golfers that you'd be disappointed if, if they kind of went well and you weren't on? I, I looked at a couple like JC Ritchie, I was, I really liked last yeah. season and he had a he had a decent performance last week or a decent couple of rounds and played well here um or he had one good round here last year but he played well in the Belgian knockout one year before um so I liked him um Xander Lombard had a really good finish uh, with his irons yesterday yes that was interesting very, very good. um Clement Sorday has been playing well I just couldn't really get there yes he would have been the one for me yeah. that was right there like they're, they're probably the three. Um, Alex Fitzpatrick's always fun to look out for. Now he's back here again. Yeah. I thought, um, I mean, Borgia Verto was somebody who, which yeah. kind of had shown up, I believe, on the, the it might have been a DP World Tour event that he, yeah, the Magic Kenya Open, in which he finished fifth coming off the Challenge Tour. He's been okay. 
overall there was second in another DP World um, event earlier this year too, or, or I guess end of last year. So he was somebody, um, there has been a, again, it doesn't take much to catch my eye when you get down the, the odds board, but Freddie Scott, um, he was a thousand to one last week. I just thought that was pretty odd. I mean, he has not played well at all, but he's 21 years old. He was every week basically close to the favorite um, on the challenge tour during his kind of run. And again, at that age with that upside, right? I mean, he won one event. I think it was like top 10 to three events prior to that. Like he went on a sick run and he made the cut last weekend after he had finished strong the week before when he had missed a cut like on the number so like it doesn't take much again for like a thousand to one guy to catch but he quickly got down the odds board after a really good challenge tour year yeah the other one kind of from the challenge tour i think i think axis actually put him up on twitter earlier was pierre binal yes. who um yes he's just so volatile like he, he was seventh in that um stc open then he was 15th uh in kenya which obviously you've been talking about that you do like and he opened up with 65 close with 67 uh 21st again i think in the in india and then 18th last week uh in the uae challenge so i could see him making a top 20 top 30 don't necessarily know that there's too much winning upside for him at the moment um but yeah i think it's one of those i think when you look at last year's leaderboard i think this we will see the cream rise to the top and i think we've identified those guys that that can do it um it's gonna be an interesting week I think it's gonna be really interesting to see if the likes of nick backham del ray Besseling try and attack the golf course from that point of view or they look at what kind of how Horsfield and Fox did it where they they are longer players but they managed to dial it back and, and perform from the approach standpoint so lots to really look forward to I think this week yep 100% all right Tom let's go back to the betting cards and we close out yep so for me it's 20 to 1 Yannick Paul 66 to 1 Hugo Sassard I'm going to join you at Daniel Van Tonder at 70 to 1 Santiago Tario 80 to 1 and Will Bessling 130 to 1. Awesome. I'll be on Rikuya Hoshino 35 to 1. Eddie Pepperell 45 to 1. Aaron Cockerell 55 to 1. You said the name. Ugo Kusar. I don't know if it's Kusar. I say Susard, but I don't know if I'm just being. Susard. I don't know if I'm just being posh. Ugo Kusar 66 to 1. <laughs> DVT, Daniel Van Tonder, 70 to 1. And then Alejandro Del Rey, 110 to 1. It takes a lot for me to stop a card at 110 to 1. That must mean a PGA Tour card is going to get wild this week. Um, David I'd like to, to run it back. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yes, lock in the Michelouzi. Uh, he's getting that. I mean, we were, he was tied for first in par breaking that week, setting up for a huge week on the PGA Tour. No idea how he got that exemption, but we do love to see that. I, uh, Tom, I say we get back together for the PGA Championship next week. There's yes. more DP World Tour guys playing, right? What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a good time for us to identify some guys. I, I enjoy those. I enjoy the ones where we look at some of the people that, you know, some others wouldn't necessarily look at. It's, it adds value to DraftKings, adds value to obviously betting cards and long shots. So certainly I think, you know, ultimately it comes down to talking about this, maybe the guys that people do know about with Moronx and people like that. But um, if we can find one down further down the board, maybe based on what I do this week, then uh, it'd be interesting to talk about. Yep, 100%. Awesome. Well, you guys enjoy the week. If you see a petition going around to bring back the Belgian knockout, please <laughs> sign it as we look to get it back on the schedule next year. But enjoy this one, and we'll catch you next week for the PGA Championship. Thanks, guys. Good luck, guys.